also in my book, Motivational Listener, Be Interesting by Being Interested. It's a practical guide to being uh, successful at business networking events. That took a lot of the podcasts. So, uh, <laughs> but the 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 part in there that we're really looking at is be interesting by being interested. And so, what you really want to add is those clarifying questions. What are people talking about? And ask them questions that let them talk about themselves. Welcome to the Art of Communication, where entrepreneurs learn to grow their business more effectively through mastering their ability to connect to others. Whether you're looking to increase revenue, widen your network, or just getting others to buy into your vision, we'll help you dramatically transform your business and life by communicating more effectively, improving your leadership skills, and reinvesting time back into your family. You're only one good conversation away from transforming your business and your life. So let's start the conversation with your host, Greg Rice. Have you guys ever had a prospect tell you yes, but then disappear off the face of the earth? Or maybe you've given someone on your team very clear instructions just to find out that they actually did the opposite. I know that I've struggled with these challenges more than I would like to admit. And I really wanted to learn a better way to read my customers, my team, and the most important people in my life so that I could communicate with them more effectively. And the most powerful way that I found to do this is to learn to read body language and micro expressions. You see, their body and expressions will tell you the truth about how they really feel, even when their words do not. It's an incredibly powerful skill to learn and one that I want you to learn. And that's why I partnered with the leaders in body language training for business people to offer you a free six-week e-course on body language and micro-expressions. In this free course, you'll learn what micro-expressions are, why are they so powerful, how to spot them, and then how to read them. You'll learn how to make accurate readings, which is so important. You'll learn body language with a big focus on positive body language to understand when things are going really well. You'll learn how to read minds in real time and actually see a demonstration of this. And maybe most importantly, you'll learn how to spot lies and so much more. These folks have trained over 50,000 business leaders and the work has been published in the Harvard Business Review. The concepts have been proven to boost EQ by 10% and sales by 20%. So this is really powerful stuff, guys, that you'll definitely want to check out. So you can sign up for your free six-week e-course at bodylanguagemastery.gregjrice.com. Again, that's bodylanguagemastery.gregjrice.com. And make sure you guys go check that out to ensure that you're never left wondering what happened to that sale or why your team member did the opposite of what you expected them to. What's up, guys? I hope you're having a great day today. Today, I had the pleasure of interviewing Scott Smith. Scott is a self-professed motivational listener and networking expert. He's also a coach helping clients get the most out of their personal networks, and he's the author of The Motivational Listener. And we talked about what a motivational listener is, why it's so powerful, and how we can all become one. We also got into his science-backed six-step approach to building authentic connections with new people. And we talked about the importance of the orbital cortex and how we can activate it within others to ensure that we stand out in their memory in a positive way. So overall, this was a tremendous episode, guys. He basically gave us a blueprint 
for how we can be more effective at networking events and just building professional relationships in general. Really powerful stuff. I know I'm going to take away a lot of tips and tricks from it, and I know you guys are also going to take a ton of valuable stuff away from this episode, so check it out. Scott, welcome to the Art of Communication podcast. Really excited to chat with you a bit about networking and, and building relationships today. Yeah, great. Thanks, man. It's just, uh, I really appreciate being on the show. I, I love listening to your podcast and the, and, and the guests. So uh, hopefully I can answer as clearly as uh, some of those other folks. I'm sure you can. Really excited to have you on. Thank you for that. So we'll dive in. You have a ton of guidance to share on how to network and build relationships and some really cool, unique stuff there. But I'd love to just start off by getting a feel for how did you get started in this whole networking space to begin with? Give us a little bit of background on that. Sure. I was really fortunate that my my mother was very involved in the community when I was growing up. And so really in high school, I kind of started attending these different events, community events, with her. And that's where I kind of started to see how networking worked. And I would see these people that would be able to just very naturally, it seemed, connect with people that they didn't know and build relationships either for their nonprofit or for their business. And so it was very intriguing for me very early on. And so that was something that I wanted to take then into the into the business world. Cause I always knew ever since I was probably in sixth grade, I knew that I wanted to get into business because mm-hmm. my, my, my feeling was, is that everything needs to be run, <laughs> whether it's a for-profit business, nonprofit business, doesn't matter. Every organization needs someone to lead it and to run it. So that was my direction. And so I saw that networking was a way that people got things done. So mm-hmm. for me, it was early on that I was interested in it. I'll just start kind of diving into the space kind of as you as you shifted to, you know, out of college or into the professional space. How do you start really diving into researching the space? So one of the things was, that was really important was speech class. So when mm. I was in high school, you have to take a required speech class. Then I took an additional speech class, which all my friends thought I was crazy. Why would you do that? And I said, I know this is going to be important. I'm going to need to communicate to to people. And then in college, same thing. I took additional speech class. And then I was uh, also was a DJ for a year on the college radio station just because I, cool. I just wanted to I just wanted to be in that uh, space. And so learning how to communicate, how to get up in front of people and talk was was really important. Then when I got, when I graduated and got into the business world, I'm thinking, now I know what to do. You just go to these networking events and you connect to people, but it didn't really work out that way. I mean, I went to the events and the business referrals weren't rolling in. So I'm thinking, I'm going, how does it work for, how does it work for this guy, this person to be able to go to the same events and get all this business? And yet I'm going to those events and it's not happening. So I'm thinking I must be doing something wrong. Fascinating. Yeah. Very cool. So, and I want to, so, so we'll get into kind of the do's about networking, how to do it well, but I am curious what you see people doing wrong most often from a networking perspective. And I think it's a good place to jump into it because you mentioned it there, right? When you started out, maybe it wasn't going so well. It wasn't. Yeah. So I was, I was going about it wrong. 
And so I was committing the same error that, that many people do is first of all, is you have no purpose when you go to that networking event. What, why are you there? You know, it's not just to get hors d'oeuvres or collect business cards or hand out your business card. There's, there needs to be a defined purpose. Who is it that you want to, to meet there? And as, as we kind of delve into what that means, there's different roles of people in your network. And we can talk about those a little bit more mm-hmm. as we kind of progress here. But I was going to these networking events just thinking everyone wants to be my customer. All I have to do is say, I'm here, here's my card, and uh, give me money. But I, it was, that's, not the, that's not the right way to go about it. And it's not that you couldn't be looking for customers at events or when you're connecting with people, but there's a lot more to it. There's a lot more to, to networking. And I'll just say the first thing about networking is, is that it's relationships. Mm-hmm. When, you build, when you're building a network, it's about building relationships. So you've probably been told and heard the same thing that I was told. Scott, you need to learn to play golf because a lot of business is transacted on the golf course. Well, it turns out there's nothing special or magical about golf or golfing or the golf course. It's just people with a common interest spending time together, mm-hmm. building a relationship. Oh, who do we do business with? As they say, people you know, like, and trust. So if you and I are hanging out together doing whatever it is, could be playing golf, could be mountain biking, could be playing video games. It doesn't matter. As long as we have some sort of a common interest, we build a relationship. And then at some point you're going, hey, can you help me with this? Or I've got a person over here that needs what you do. That's all it is. Yeah. And spending, you know, four hours together in in one setting, like golfing, right? That's where the value comes from is golfing doesn't happen so quickly. <laughs> right, um, but exactly. it, it is, I've certainly been golfing with folks and built relationships that way from a business perspective. So, yeah. so, so that's very cool. I can tell you, I, I remember doing a lot of networking events back in the day and challenges for me were either I go in and, and kind of my anxiety gets the best of me, right? And kind of get some food, go to the bathroom, whatever, keep circling around, feel like everybody's eyes are on me. Like, why isn't he talking to anybody, right? If I don't know anybody there. And, and it just the nerves really mitigate my ability to connect with folks. Or I know some people there and I just stick with them the whole time, right? So I don't, yeah. I can't break away from them to go talk to anybody else because I'm so comfortable with them, you know? So those are two challenges that I've certainly faced. That is really one of the common, common issues is that you go to a networking event and if you know people that's who we hang out with because that we're, we're comfortable and it makes it makes us feel good to be there but that's not why you're there you know you're you are there to meet new people and to reach out and then you see this group of people all together and you think well they all know each other and how, how can i break in but this is where mindset is a huge part of networking and you're there because you add value, you solve someone's problem. And so you wouldn't be at that event if you didn't have something to offer. And so there's a lot of mindset coaches and a lot of things that you can do out there to, to, to understand how remarkable you are and what value you bring. And, if you have that, that's one of the first steps. 
In fact, it's kind of interesting. One of the um, research studies that went on was that it says that attractive people are more successful. And I'm like, rats. (laughs) (laughs) But further research said that confident people are more attractive. So going back to my high school geometry of A equals B and B equals C, then confident people are more successful, right? And so if you go into that networking event, confident, not arrogant, but confident. And the difference between confidence and arrogance is, is both are competent, right? Both can, can accomplish the task, but confident people give and arrogant people take. Mm, So if you go into that, if you go into that event, confident, then you're going to be more attractive to people and, and you're going to be able to connect with people more. Not, mm-hmm. And it's not about how we look physically. It's that persona that we present yeah. and that you're confident. I'm here to give, not to take. And it's, it's, it speaks volumes in your nonverbal communication as well, just in your body language and your tonality and the way you talk to folks and approach folks. Um, mm-hmm. That confidence, regardless of how much you, if you're un- un- unconfident and nervous, no matter how much you try to hide it, right, it still comes out, even if it's right. not in your exact words. So you mentioned kind of a group of people talking. They all know each other. I've been in that scenario. How, what are your, what's your guidance for approaching that group or approaching anyone who we don't know when we haven't had a referral or an introduction, mm-hmm. just cold? How, how do we do that? Yeah. So, so if you're going to approach an individual and individuals and groups, you're going to have a little bit different technique in that. Mm-hmm. But if you're approaching just an individual, I, I like to say what it's, it's called is test the waters. Because even though you're at a networking event, and this could be online, so you could be doing one of those events where you've got the speed networking, and you are put into a group with one, two, three, four people, right? Not Actually, not all of them are there to network. They, some people don't know why they're there. <laughs> and so the, the question, I, the thing that I like to do is, is you kind of test the water. See, is this person actually willing to connect? And so you want to make a comment that is non-threatening, not personal, not invasive into their space, and not really a question as much as a, a statement to see, are they going to agree? Are they, going to, are they showing an interest? So if it was at a, an on-ground event, then you might make a comment about the speakers, about the agenda, about the venue, about the food. You know, this is like, that gives them an opening. You can say, so if it's pouring down rain, you, you know, you can say, wow, I'm glad they had covered parking today. So I didn't have to come in here looking all wet and raggy or whatever. If the food is good or not good, you can make a comment, not, not a disparaging comment, but you just say, well, I'm glad I hit Taco Bell before I came here. Right. <laughs> and just kind of see how are they open? Give them yeah. something that they can maybe agree with and go, yeah, that last speaker was really was great. Or I'm looking forward to this person or whatever. And that gives you the opportunity to see how they're doing. Then you can start taking them on some sort of a conversational journey to go, how did you hear about this conference or something that, that allows you to start 
narrowing in on who they are and why they're there. Yeah, I, I love that as a way to just open it up, open up a conversation with somebody because it's like, what is the super insightful thing I'm going to say to get their attention right off the bat? And and that's really hard to figure out, right? And the chances of you landing the exact thing that fits right. with them is very slim. I love the idea of testing the water and maybe like, uh, yeah, it's raining, right? And then you move on and that's fine. Or yeah. maybe they open up and, you know, let's talk. Exactly. Because not everybody, like I said, is there to network or really not everyone deserves a spot in your network. I mean, that's, you have a, you have a finite capacity and again, you add value. So you need to understand that that those spots in your network are valuable to that person and not everybody should be in your network. So I love that that way of thinking disengage and move on. Right. Yeah. Okay. So how about a group of folks who are, you know, seeming to have a great time. Yeah. So if it's two or three people and this is where, and, and I love the stuff that, that comes up on your podcast as well about body language. Mm-hmm. And if those people are very intimate, right? They're leaning into each other and, you know, maybe touching their arms. Maybe that's not the right group for you to break into, right? I mean, they obviously know each other. They're in some sort of a, a deep conversation. Don't just let them go, right? But when you're looking at that group and there's a circle and maybe people are kind of shoulder to shoulder, get over a little bit close to them and kind of start looking at the faces to see who is it that recognize that you're there and, and knows that you're on the outside of the circle and someone's going to, if they're open, someone's going to make that little bump. Oh, hey, Greg, come on, you know, look at your name tag or whatever. Hey, step on in, right? Somebody will let you in. And then the advice from Abraham Lincoln is really wise there, right? This is better to be silent and let everyone think you're a fool than to open your <laughs> mouth and confirm that, <laughs> right? So listen in, see what they're talking about. See who's kind of leading the conversation. And if you have something to add, you can find that moment to add something in. But be very, very limited in how aggressive you are in there. So in my book, Motivational Listener, Be Interesting by Being Interested, it's a practical guide to being uh, successful at business networking events. That took a lot of the podcasts. So... uh, (laughs) But the, the, the part in there that we're really looking at is be interesting by being interested. And so what you really want to add is those clarifying questions. What are people talking about? And ask them questions that let them talk about themselves. And so the subtitle there, be interesting by being interested, literally happened at a networking event where I'm talking to this lady and we're having this, this like two-minute conversation. And I'm asking her questions about, oh, what's your business? Oh, how did you get started in it? Turns out she was in framing. And then she did art restoration. And I'm thinking, okay, there's a that's a skill set. Doing art restoration is very technical, precise. You have to have certain skill set. So I made some comments toward that saying, wow, that, you know, how did you get involved in that? Because that's I mean, framing is one thing, but art restoration is very different. And then she's telling me about her brother 
was a great inspiration. And, and we will talk about this too, about emotional intelligence mm-hmm. and micro expressions. Mm-hmm. And there was that micro expression of sadness that as she mentioned her brother. So now I went down there and said, okay, tell me about your brother. Well, he died at like 52 years old from lung cancer. He was this great artist, sold paintings for tens of thousands of dollars, but was a heavy smoker and all the solvents gave him lung cancer. And so he, he died young. Well, we now have connected on an emotional level, Mm -hmm. right? Very different than just, well, hi, how are you? What do you do? Oh, you do this. How can I make money off of you type Mm -hmm. thing? Why we hate networking events. Well, a friend of hers was passing by. She literally reached out and grabbed the person by the arm and said, you have to talk to this interesting man. So she knew my name. She knew, you know, very little about me. Mm-hmm. I knew a lot about her. I knew about her family history. And so at that time I became interesting because I was interested in her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that, that that's powerful. Now, one quick question about the back to the group thing. If yeah. you're standing there and waiting for somebody to let you in and nobody lets you in, nobody says anything or tries to pull you in, what yeah. you, you just walk away then? Or do yeah, you try next to group. next okay, group, So it's not right? like trying to butt your way in somehow. Yeah. The the exception would be is when you are preparing for uh, any networking event, you want to know again, why are you there? Who is it that you want to connect with? And if there's a particular person that you want to connect with in there and they're in that circle that, and that's why you went to that event, then you're going to have to be just a little bit more persistent and, you know, kind of find the weak spot in that circle and just say, excuse me. (laughs) And, you know, it's very unlikely that someone's going to be so rude that if you verbalize and say, Oh, excuse me. And you obviously want to step into the circle that they're going to exclude you. Mm-hmm. Right. That's true. But you're there. I'm there because Greg Rice is, is at this event and I want to connect with him and he's in this circle. He's the reason I came to this. I'm not, I'm not going to abandon that. Mm-hmm. So I'll be a little bit more assertive, but if it's just a random group that, I mean, to find there's, there's plenty of folks out there. I love right? that. Yeah. And, and one other thing I would say, if you, and cause it's happened to me, right. I go to an event I'm already nervous. I try to talk to one or two people. It doesn't necessarily go as well as I'd like it to. And now I'm like, oh, forget it. You know, I'm emotionally just just broken for that event. And you can't let that happen, right? There's a million fish in the sea, right? As they say. And every conversation is just an opportunity to meet somebody and to get better for your next conversation. And this is where really understanding where you get energy from. Mm-hmm. And that has to do with whether you're an extrovert or an introvert. And if you Google up business networking, you're going to find thousands of articles and not to, uh, to diss the writers, but a lot of them are given an assignment and they're paid by the word. So they, you know, write an article on business networking. And so they do some research and come up with the three points and the five tips or the seven things to do. And one of the articles that I remember reading, the opening line said, extroverts are natural networkers. Well, that's not actually true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> being an extrovert just means that you get energy by being in crowds with a lot of people. You like the, the, the hubbub and the noise and all that. While 
introverts like smaller, more intimate, one-on-one, time alone, and that's where they get energy. Now, uh, being an, a good networker is just a skill. You can learn it, and it doesn't require you to be an extrovert, and it's not limited by being an introvert. Mm-hmm. Extroverts, they get in their own way. Yak, 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 yak. Talk, 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 you know. Yeah. And then the introverts don't say anything. <laughs> and so you just got to learn to do So if you're an introvert, and you're at that event and you've tried to connect with a couple of people and it just didn't go so well, then go find a corner and recharge, right? Because mm-hmm. that's where your energy is going to be. If you're an extrovert, try to limit how much you're talking. Cause maybe you just, you just, you were the bore. You came in, you know, you got to those people and it was just like this and that and blah, blah, blah. And you never gave them a chance to talk and, and so they're like, all right, see you later, Scott. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So last thing I want to cover on kind of the introduction piece is when we talked before, you shared some really interesting stuff around the orbital cortex and yeah. the importance of it and when you're meeting somebody and how to engage it. So I'd love for you to just tell the audience a little bit about the thinking around that. Yeah, so our brains are amazing. We can process huge amounts of data. And the math was something like what you can process in a second will take like 45 minutes for the best supercomputer to process. So the good news and the bad news is, is that we process a lot of information. We can only receive verbally auditorily a certain amount, certain level of information, which means that (laughs) research says that we daydream between 30 and 50% of our waking hours. (laughs) <laughs> so if you and I are in a, have a 30 minute conversation, you're daydreaming for 15 minutes. I'm daydreaming for 15 minutes. And we hope there's some sort of overlap. And that actually doesn't mean that you're being rude or inattentive. It just means that your brain can process so much that as you're having that conversation, you're able to think about, Oh, which session do I want to go to? Or what am I going to do this weekend? What do I, I need to stop at the store. You're able to think about those things and still be fully present within the conversation. But the orbital frontal cortex is an area that sits right behind your eyeballs, and it's the error detection part of your brain. And so the example is is if you're driving, and you're driving down the road, and you're so good at driving and knowing where you're going and what to do that you can be thinking about where you're going, where you came from, where you need to stop, Uh, where you want to park the car when you get wherever you're going because your brain is able to process that and still safely operate the vehicle. And then a squirrel runs out in front of the car and the orbital frontal cortex, the air detection part of your brain kicks in and it causes your brain to focus. No longer can you be thinking about all these other things. Now you're fully focused on how to safely navigate the car, not squish the squirrel, not run into the cars parked on the side of the road, not come into oncoming traffic. How do you do that? You're not thinking about anything else. Orbital frontal cortex focused your brain at that moment. So when we're at networking events and people are daydreaming and you're asking, oh, are you enjoying the event? And they're like, yeah. And they're still thinking about all these other things. If you can activate the orbital frontal cortex, get their brain focused, They can't be thinking about anything else except you at that moment. And that part of your brain is also responsible for facial and vocal recognition. 
So if I approach somebody and I can activate that part of their brain, I'm imprinting my face and voice on their head. And that's how it, and that's how you get remembered. So you want to do that in a way that's not weird, (laughs) but uh, you want to ask an unexpected question. And this is the question that I found works for me. And I give everyone full license to use this phrase, this question. And I, I recommend that you try it out. Go to the, when you're next at the store, go to the cashier, they're going to ask you all these expected questions. Did you find everything you're looking for? Are you having a good day? And you're still thinking about where you park the car, how you're going to get the stuff out there, what you're going to do with the food when you get home. And, but then respond back to them and ask them this question. How's your world? So they say, oh, did you find everything you're looking for? Yes, I did. How's your world? And you, and physically watch what happens because people have to interpret that question. It's unexpected. You're not just asking, well, how's your day? It's now they got to figure out, is my world this cash cash register? Mm-hmm. Is it the store, my job? Is it my family? Is it my place in the cosmos? What is it? They have to interpret that question. You activated the orbital frontal cortex. When you go to a networking event and you ask them, are you, having, are you enjoying the conference? They're like, yes, I am. <laughs> They're still daydreaming. So you ask them, how's your world? Or what's going on in your world? People have to interpret that. They're going to focus on you at that moment. And you're going to imprint on their brain. I love that. I think it's really powerful. I'm definitely going to start using it. And and maybe try some other creative things just on imprinting on the orbital cortex, but in a professional way, right? Like something creative and unique, but obviously professional, not too out there. Exactly. My, yeah. my my other question for you, just you know, drilling in on kind of the conversation you're having with somebody at a networking event. Another thing that's happened to me is you know you just run out of things to say and ask, and then there's a weird silence. How can we avoid that? Well, and again, first of all, not everyone should be a part of your network, and so mm-hmm. if if you've come to the dead end and it's just like this person is not, they're not going to fulfill a role within my network. Then move on. I mean that's okay, but. Again, I like to take people on a conversational journey. And and the way we learn is is that when we're getting new information, so you're listening to this podcast and you're going, oh, okay, that's some interesting stuff. You're learning new things and you're using the prefrontal cortex part of your brain, which takes, that's where we have learning, it's short-term memory, and it takes a lot of energy. Your brain, by the way, will use up like 20 to 30% of the energy you produce every day, just your brain itself. So prefrontal cortex is the uh, short-term memory. But as we learn and repeat things, they become literally hardwired into the brain, move into the basal ganglia. So these new neural pathways form. That's why you can drive the car and not have to put the key in and think, do I turn it left or right? Or right, you just hop in and you're gone, you're gone. And the good and bad of that is, is that people forget how remarkable the information is that, that they've, that they've learned. Mm -hmm. So if I were to ask you about podcasting, you you know, about podcasting, you know, about the equipment, you know, about the editing, you know, about the services that are out there. And I could say, Hey, Greg, I'm thinking about starting a podcast. And you just like breathe these answers out because that's what you do. You live and breathe 
podcasting. You don't have to Google it up. You don't have to go to your reference books. And the good thing is, is that you can just solve problems. The bad news is, is that you forget you didn't, you weren't born knowing how to podcast and that the information that you have to somebody who doesn't know anything about it is remarkable. Mm-hmm. And so, cause you're thinking, well, isn't this common knowledge? Doesn't everybody know about the difference between this and that service and these microphones and that, and this software. And it's like, no, it is not common knowledge. And so when you, when you take people on this conversational journey, it's like, how did you get into podcasting? How, what have you seen change over the time, over time? What are some of the things that you really enjoy about it? What are some of the things that you wish you didn't have to do? And you start reminding people of what it took to learn this. Oh, I signed up for this class. I, I did this. This was a service I used. And, and so you can always, no matter kind of where that conversation goes, you can always ask people their history of how they got to what they're doing. And here's, the, here's another fun thing. We would like to think that life is more intentional than it is. That at some point in the past, we thought, oh, yeah, now, one day I'm going to have this podcast, which, of course, didn't exist when I was a kid anyway. Mm-hmm. But you think, oh, yeah. And so here's how I'm going to go. I'm going to go A, B, C, D and end up at podcast. And so here's a question when you ask people, you go, oh, well, how did you get involved in podcasting? How did you become an accountant? How did you decide that you want to be a software engineer? And invariably, almost, people will start off with something like, well, it's a really interesting story, <laughs> which means I had no plan to be where I am doing this. And then he's like, oh, so it's these series of things. And it was that, and it was this, it happened. You were on a plane flight and you sat next to somebody and they said this, and you're like, I'm going with it. And so if that conversation dwindles, find those opportunities to go back into their history and find out how they got from where they were to where they are. I love it. And that also gets to some of that emotional underpinning stuff too, that builds real connection and resonance. So I love that. Now switch topics a little bit. I'd love for you just tell me a little bit more about being a motivational listener and and how we can do that more effectively. Yeah. So I always have to give you credit because I'm a good husband. My wife actually came up with that term. Somebody asked her one day and, and she said, they said, you know, what do you do? And she's like, I don't know. I'm a motivational listener. It was a very accurate description. And I said, Christine, I love that. And I will always give you full credit, but I am stealing that. And so what I did is, is then I took that phrase, motivational listener, which is, it's a pattern interrupt to begin with, right? So you motivational speaker, everyone knows what that is. Motivational listener. Oh, That's a little, you know, causes people to think, right? So I loved it just as a pattern interrupt. But then I applied it to uh, what I had been involved in and and how I was connecting with people and put a framework around it. And if you wanted to, to nail down what the goal of being a motivational listener is, it's that the person that you're having a conversation with. So if if you and I, Greg, are talking, my goal is for you to leave that conversation feeling better about yourself than before we started. And part of it is just going through and asking those questions 
and if you will, shine the light on the path that it took to get you from where you were to where you are and how you solve people's problems. And when I restate this, I'm like, wow, your listeners must really enjoy the podcast because, and then I can list out these things where you're helping them communicate. You're finding the tools, you're finding the processes, you're finding the methods. And you're like, holy crap. I do a good, I do do a good job. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's the, that's the essence of being a motivational listener. I love that. I love that. And part of it is obviously listening as they're talking, paying attention, caring, right? I think paying attention to what's meaningful for them and mm -hmm. then summarizing that in a, in an honest way that says, Hey, right. you know, you, you told me this and this, and that's really powerful. Here's why, you know? And so I've been asked, is it just active listening? And, and I always go, well, active listening is more passive than mm -hmm. what we're talking about. So active listening is being a part of the communication or being a part of the conversation, body language, eye contact, summarizing, right? All of those things that we've learned about active listening, but you're very passive in where the conversation goes as a, as an active listener, as a motivational listener, I'm directing the conversation. I'm asking those questions to remind you of the journey that it took to get from where you were to where you are and how, and, and a part of it is I'll say it's differentiating between result and motivation. So result is what people do. So I ask you, Oh, what do you do? Oh, I'm an accountant. Oh, I'm a plumber or whatever. Okay, that's a result. There's a motivation behind that. And the example I can give was was uh, I was had gone off on a on a business trip and I came back and my wife had built a um, fire pit in the backyard, and so I asked her, "Oh, so what, what were you up to while I was gone?" And she says, "Well, I built takes me in the backyard, shows me this fire pit. That's a result, right? The motivation was she had this image of." The whole family sitting around there roasting marshmallows and you know enjoying the fire being that that family time together right and so the result is the fire pit and i could say wow that's a really good looking fire pit but if i focused on the motivation i say wow i can just imagine all of the family sitting around here having a good time creating these memories right of what we're going to do this summer mm -hmm. That's part of what we're trying to do is differentiate between result and motivation. I love it. And that really gets in, into two sides of the same coin that I love to get into, right? One is empathy, right? Mm -hmm. So understanding why people do the things that they do and, and really seeing it through their eyes, not just what they did, but how they got there. And then vulnerability, right? Sharing that, right? Not mm -hmm. just why did I do this? Not, not, I mean, not just I did this, but why did I do it? How did I right. feel about it while it was going on? I messed it up. So I'll be honest about that. And this is how I learned from that. You know, those kinds of things. They can be really powerful when you think about connecting with somebody. Yeah. And and then the the book, Motivational Listener, with the rest of the long title, as you mentioned. So that's yeah. kind of a, a how-to deep dive into how we can get better at motivational listening. Yeah. So that really focuses in on, on networking events. So the, the first half of the book is really the brain science about how we connect. And then the second half is a six-step process that you go through. It's how to how to approach those people at uh, at events, whether they're 
in groups or singularly, uh, alone, you know, whether they're alone, how to take people on that conversational journey, uh, remind them that they're remarkable and differentiate between result and motivation and get to that point where you're asking permission to follow up because in that networking event, and, and one of the things that they say about networking events is, you know, prepare for the event. But the final thing is ditch the pitch mm-hmm. <laughs> because the elevator pitch, and I've been through, I mean, I've been a big part of the startup world for years. And there's all these clinics about how to create your elevator pitch. And there's some mythos about how it all started as a, a part of the um, writers trying to pitch producers on uh, movie scripts. And so they would get into the, they would jump into the elevator and in the time that it took to travel between floors, hit them with this elevator pitch for their movie. Right. And so it moved into the business world where we craft these, these statements and we rehearse them and we refine them until the point where it's just like using novel solutions and a first to market approach with exceeding customer service and blah, blah, blah. Mm. This is like, to me, it's, it's no different than the autoresponder on a, on an email or something. Right. Oh, Greg, what do you do? And it's just like, wow, (laughs) you practice that, (laughs) but you didn't explain what you do in terms of what interests me. Mm -hmm. So if you've taken the time to get to know me and I get to that point where I'm like, well, what are you involved in? you know the problem that you solve, you know why it's different than other solutions that are out there and who your target customer is. And so instead of giving me an autoresponder, you're able to say something in terms of maybe I'm a customer, maybe I'd be an ideal customer for it, maybe not. Maybe I know people or maybe I can introduce you to people who know people. But stay away from the elevator pitch. Sorry, everybody's got their pet peeves and that's that's, that's one of mine. <laughs> no, I think it's great advice. So just a couple more questions quickly I'd like to ask you that I ask everybody who I have on the show. Sure. The first is around the power of conversations, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a big believer that just one conversation can change your life. So I, w- I always like to ask my guests if there's a conversation you can point to that had a really big impact on the direction you ended up taking. So I'll go back to when I was in high school and I remember sitting at the Big O restaurant, so a local place with some friends and um, I was, we were just talking and uh, one of the girls that was there said, wow, you, you tell a lot of stories. <laughs> and it was just things that we had been involved in people I've worked with or, you know, I mean, I'm only in high school. So my life experience is fairly limited, but I did, I communicate through stories and, and I remember her saying, she goes, you tell a lot of stories. And I, and she goes, I bet one day this is going to be one of those stories. <laughs> <laughs> and when, if you talk to people, I mean, it's like all the time it's, I look for, because I believe we, we connect through stories. People connect through stories and they're all around us and we can learn so much from those, but we can also communicate ideas and concepts through those stories. So that particular conversation, obviously I haven't forgotten it, yeah. but I love it. I, 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 I took that as a compliment. 
For sure. And it obviously, I mean, that's the kind of thing that directed you down your path, right? Um, so that's that's pretty cool. Second question. If you think about all that you've accomplished so far, if there's one communication skill that you could have had in more abundance that would have made it a lot easier, what would that be? Writing. Mm. Oh, my gosh. You know, I was one of those typical high school boys that hated writing. Just uh, senior English, all that stuff. Any way that I could get out of it, I I would. You know, I took extra speech classes, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to write. And it's really only been in the last few years that I've I've focused on that. Spent some time on writing and improving my writing communication skills because everything, everything has to be written. I mean, somebody, somebody, somebody had to write the on this little eraser. Somebody had to write this right. Every web page, every product, every, and so it's not just books, but it's how we communicate. And I wish I had started earlier at trying to be a better writer. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Very cool. Last question. Who is the best communicator that you know? They could be alive or dead. Somebody you know uh, personally or just somebody you know of. There was, a, there was a TED Talk that came out, I don't know, eight, nine, ten years ago by a lady named Dr. Bonnie Bassler, B-A-S-S-L-E-R. So you can look up her, her talk. She's talking about how bacteria communicate. And I remember watching that. You know, TED Talks are like 18 minutes, right? Mm -hmm. So she gets up and uh, is talking about how bacteria communicate. And one of the things that that I was doing at the time was really kind of looking, what's the formula for a good TED Talk? Because not all TED Talks are great. And what I found was that there was some sort of a story that begins. Then there's this technical explanation. And then there's some sort of a life application. So I'm listening to Dr. Basler talk about how bacteria communicate. And I remember, th- and it's a very deep science research project that she did. And here I am, a mere mortal, able to understand what she's saying. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching that TED Talk, and I love the information, but I just, I was thinking, man. I wish I could talk and communicate the way Dr. Bassler does. So I, I really appreciated her, her talk. Very cool. First person to say, to bring up a talk about bacteria communicating. So it's interesting. <laughs> I definitely have to check that out too. I find it fascinating. I'll how, send you the link. How bacteria communicate, how, you know, plants and trees and grass communicate. That kind of stuff is just fascinating. So final question for you, where can the audience find you and connect with you? Yeah, sure. So you can go to my website, dscottsmith.com and uh, email scott at dscottsmith.com. And then, of course, I'm on Twitter at d underscore scott, uh, Instagram, d.scottsmith. You can kind of see a theme here. And uh, for those of you who are on Clubhouse, at dscottsmith, no punctuation. Very, very cool. And I know that you actually have a special offer for our audience. So I'd love to just give you a chance to share that. Yeah. So one of the things is, is, is I truly believe that right now everyone has a network of people filled with more business that they can ha- than they can handle. Cause if you're a solo entrepreneur, a freelance professional, a small business, you have a finite capacity. You can't serve hundreds or thousands of customers. So networking is a great way 
to get new customers. And your network is filled full of people who want to help you. You just need to find the right ones. So in LinkedIn, the average person has about 1,500 contacts. I've got 2,300. Friends of mine have tens of thousands of people. But I can tell you, I can guarantee you, I do not know 2,300 people. So the exercise, and I've got a course, and it's I'm, I'm giving it free to, to your listeners. It takes you exactly through the process on how to download your LinkedIn contacts, put them into a spreadsheet, and then find the gold in that network. So following Dunbar's rule, we can manage about 150 relationships. So if you go through that and look at your contacts and say, who is it you would actually do business with? Out of that 2,300, you're going to come down to about 100, 130, maybe 150 people. That's where you will grow your business, grow your influence is through those 150 people. Very cool. Well, that's very uh, awesome of you to provide that. We really appreciate it. I'm going to definitely download it and check it out myself. Uh, I certainly have a tendency to, you know, make more and more relationships without focusing maybe as much as I should. So uh, I appreciate that. And I want to thank you for taking the time to be on the show today. I think you gave us a tremendous blueprint for how to connect with people more effectively at networking events or really in any situation where we want to get to know folks. Yeah, it's a great, great honor to be on the uh, art of communication. Thanks, Scott. Don't let the momentum stop now. Continue your path towards connecting at another level by joining the Communication Nation. We'll be discussing today's topics as well as more real-world solutions to transforming your life personally and professionally at facebook.com slash groups slash join the Communication Nation. Remember, you're only one good conversation away from transforming your business and life. And that conversation starts right here on The Art of Communication.